Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Christy. And you're listening to For the Love of Animals podcast, showcasing animals and their outstanding humans on a mission to make the world a better place, one cute animal at a time. The cuter, the better, I say. This week, you guys, we have such a special episode. This place, I feel like I should just call it a place, even though it moves from time to time, is a Portland staple. They've been around for a while now, and they do such a cool thing for the city of Portland. So get excited. We um, interviewed the Belmont Goats. Yes, I have loved Belmont Goats for so long. They were actually our very first recorded episode like a year ago, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. So we do have some updates for you. You're going to hear their co-founder, Bix, who we got to interview. He no longer is with Belmont Goats, but um, he really lays a great foundation for who they are and what they do in the community that um, we do have permission to share all of this wonderful interview. Yeah, it was it was so fascinating and cool to learn about all the different things the Belmont Goats as a whole provide, whether it's what they're doing for the property that they're on, for people who come and visit with family members or people suffering from mental illness or anything like that, how you can go and engage with these goats and just have the time of your life. And I made a best friend goat named Atho. And he's basically the goat version of my cat, Stan. Like, we hit it off and just had a little love fest together. And I'm still swooning about it, you guys. And um, I've had Bambi and Cooper come to a couple of Rojo gigs, and we've worked together. And they were the first goats I got to kiss. (laughs) Actually, they're probably the only goats I've kissed yet. Yeah, did I? I don't remember smooching any of the animals. Yeah. Sad. Well, good thing we're going back because as we mentioned in the episode, they were getting ready to move to a new location and they have since moved. So we'll have some exciting updates for you on where you can go find them at their new spot right at the end of this episode. So enjoy. So if we could have you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, how many goats do you have here? Uh, well, uh, my name is Bix Frank Conus. I'm project manager here at the Belmont Goats and we have 14 goats and one hen. Popular hen. So who are the Belmont Goats? Uh, who are the Belmont Goats? Well, <laughs> at the moment in the middle of us trying to get in on the microphone is Cooper. Whom I've kissed. He's an excellent kisser. Yeah. Cooper and Bambi, his, his sister, came into the herd when they were two weeks old. So they were, for a long time, the youngest goats in the herd. And that was back when they were still living uh, on Belmont and 11th, which is why they're called the Belmont Goats. And this herd started down there because... That field had been bringing in uh, some renner herds just for a month every summer for like three or four years. And uh, at the suggestion of a local landscape architect to the property owner, just to clear brush, what he didn't tell the property owner was he had this secret social experiment agenda, which was how this semi-industrial slash residential neighborhood would react to having goats in the middle of it every now and again. <laughs> and one of the results of that experiment was this business owner right next door who had been helping the renner herds with water and play structures and stuff decided that uh, he loved the idea, but one month every summer wasn't enough for him. So he asked the property owner if he could just start his own herd. So 
in late 2012, he started finding pairs of goats on Craigslist and buying them in pairs and putting this herd together. And then a number of us sort of who lived or worked in that neighborhood started getting involved with him originally to help him take care of the goats and tell people this story when they came in to visit down there. Originally, it was goats unrelated to these that were clearing brush. And then these goats, which technically cleared that lot, but only because they lived there. (laughs) Everyone knew from the beginning that lot was going to be developed originally, the Belmont lot. Um, And as we got closer to that, the original owner... Um, he wanted to do this sort of project, continue to do this sort of project, but he wasn't sure he was ready to do it somewhere other than adjacent to his full-time business that he owned. Um, so there was a chance he was just going to sort of sell the goats off in their original pairs. Um, and we, a bunch of us, convinced him to just sell us the herd as a herd for like 100 bucks a goat. Um, because at that point, they were used to being a herd and Portland was used to them to being a herd. So, yeah, the intent back then was we bought the herd to keep the herd together. It's the only sense in which these goats are rescue goats. They were not rescue goats as individual goats, but they're rescue goats in the sense that we rescued the herd from being split up. So by that point, yeah, they were sort of this residential Portland herd, um, uh, which, you know, got... Whoa, Cooper. <laughs> That's Cooper knocking the microphone out of the way because um, he's on the table with us right now. Um, So the idea was, uh, yeah, to continue doing this project somewhere else. And about that same time, the neighborhood we're in now, Lentz, was trying to find interesting things to put on some of their empty lots as part of drawing attention to the neighborhood and changing perspective on the neighborhood because they had kind of a bad, unfair reputation for a while. And they knew they were drawing development out here. So they wanted to draw attention. So they actually asked us to come out here. Um, And it will always be that sort of thing. It'll be lots that are bound for development, but the owner doesn't need to use them for two or three years. Um, and the benefits of having us there is they have no maintenance costs on that lot because we live there and we take care of it. So that's sort of the accidental model in a sense every two or three years. But yeah, that's where we are now is getting ready for another move. So who comes to see the Belmont goats and do you have regular visitors or love sessors like ourselves who can't get enough <laughs> and keep coming back? Yeah. Um, we definitely don't have any sort of like, uh, I can't give you like hardcore, clear demographic kind of stuff because we, we're really we're really laid back here. But I mean, we do, you know, we'll get, you know, particularly on the weekends, um, we get a lot of families in and we do have people who come from, you know, all over town or who drive in from out of town or people who are in town and find one of those 20 things you've got to do in Portland while you're there lists, which we always have to ask them, which one? Because we, we don't know all of them that are out there. So we're always learning new lists we're on. Um, we do have definitely have regulars, some that uh, are really laid back about it, some who are very specifically because they're dealing with things like PTSD and they even have like a particular favorite goat they like to come hang out with. Um, outside of our regular visiting hours, we do uh, group visits here and frequently those are anything from preschool field trips to photography classes to um we have a couple senior living facilities that do outings with their residents to come out um and that sort of haven't gotten a lot of that yet this year because we've been ramping up still into spring and summer and one of the reasons we sort of liked moving out here compared to our original neighborhood and the kinds of neighborhoods we're looking at next are we don't want to be thought of as something that only one kind of Portlander gets to have or one kind of neighborhood gets to host, particularly in a town like Portland that is frankly very, very white. It's 
tough for these things that are sometimes seen as kind of like quirky or whimsical to not be seen as just, oh, those 20 white people kind of thing. And maybe this isn't for other people. We don't get just white people here and we'd love to live in a neighbor neighborhoods that are more diverse. This neighborhood is more diverse than our original neighborhood. We're looking at some neighborhoods that are even more diverse than this one. It really is sort of a, you know, come one, come all sort of thing. Um, and even if you're not really sure what it's about, come by because I think you'll find this sort of contrast while you're still in the city is something that you'll probably benefit from. What is it like to have farm animals open to the public? Um, what are your risks that are involved with just open public hours? Yeah, I mean, mostly it's uh, a lot of it is common sense stuff, although you do occasionally need to do refreshes for people about what's common sense. But there are goat specific stuff like we, we ask people not to sort of grab onto the horns like people are curious, particularly kids, and it's OK to touch them. But if you grab them, a lot of them will react like, why are you grabbing onto my head? You don't want to approach them from behind because that's their one blind spot right behind their head. And they will tend to react first as if you're a threat until they see you're not. So sort of, sort of there are sort of like goat specific things we'd give people sort of warnings about. And we do have a couple of goats that can get a little on the cranky side or not very social side or they sort of tire people. And they'll do this tiny little head flick to the left or right, like not a full on buck thing. So we mark those with bandanas mainly to keep little kids whose parents can't explain this to those little Smart. kids. So older kids, as long as you can have the conversation, yeah. we tell them just be wary. Little kids that you can't say what I've just said to you, we tell parents, please just keep them away from those particular goats. I've never really had goats, I don't think, react to anyone climbing up on a thing with them, but I get nervous about that. So we do have a no climbing rule. We don't want people running around because... That can get them a little too excited to have visitors in here. And it's tough to have a chill moment with a goat when someone, some kid has started running around and all the goats go, oh my God, what's happening? And start running around also. So mostly it's stuff like that. And other than that, it's just, you know, make sure to, you know, hit the hand sanitizer on your way out. Um, a lot of people will do it on the way in, which is not strictly necessary, but nice that they think of it. <laughs> and other than that, just make sure you close the gate behind you on your way in or your way out because I don't want to go wandering away. Well, you kind of touched on what not to do when you approach a goat, but what's the best way to approach a goat? Do they have any spots they like most to be pet? Their favorite spots tend to vary. Um, a lot of people will come in and do the put your hand out to the nose like a dog thing. Goats mainly don't care about that at all, but it's actually a good way to do it because it forces you to be in front of them or to their side and so they see that you're there. Um, but that's the main thing is like approach from the side or the front so they can see you. It's good to start off scratching or petting their back like you would a dog because that's the safest spot. A lot of them will then maneuver themselves to their favorite spot. Like Chester will approach people at the fence line who are outside when we're not even open and they'll get very excited. They will sort of position themselves, either know my shoulder, know my butt, know my head. Um, Chester's our big white bearded, big horned king of the herd goat. We'll make sure to share a picture of him so you know who to come hunt down. Um, he'll, he'll go up to people who will get really excited who are outside and then he will do a complete 180 because he wants his butt scratch. Um, some of them like the face scratches but don't like you getting too close to their face. And so it's kind of a negotiation between any given person and any given goat. So as long as people sort of start out with the, you know, pet them like a dog and then just go from there, um, people tend to figure out their own thing, which is sort of our, uh, our unofficial guiding philosophy here is we try to not be hands-on or hard sell about what kind of experience to have here. We want people to come in and if they want to sit on the deck with the caretakers and hang out with the goats, ask about the goats. Um, that's fine. If you want to sit at the far picnic table, because that's where your favorite goat is, and just sit there for half an hour and not talk to anybody, that's fine. I come in here and try to do that sometimes too. Mm -hmm. 
So it really is, um, you know, every goat has their own sort of temperament and personality, uh, just like every person who comes in has their own temperament and personality. And just like you sort of got to feel each other out when you meet a new person, that's kind of how it goes with the goats here. So I know you mentioned caretakers. Shannon told me that you have volunteers. So how do you become a volunteer with Belmont Goats? Just to sort of give the wider uh, picture on that, there were about half a dozen of us who bought the herd together. Only half of those actually wanted to be involved in a real sort of day-to-day ownership, have-to-make-decisions kind of basis. Um, So like six of us put in the money to save the herd. Three of us are the actual sort of official owners of the herd. Those three also form the nonprofit that takes care of this project. And then we have another sort of, you know, seven or eight people who help out with chores and gate hours and transportation when we do have to go somewhere, whether it's to an event or to the hospital. Um, And some of these people are people who are around in the original days and who are still with us. Well, maybe one of people at this point. Um, Others um, were uh, people from this neighborhood. Um, uh, Robin, who's here feeding them this morning as we record this, is a local to Lentz who was waiting for the bus on her way to school one day when we were at our previous Lent spot two blocks from here and noticed that somehow the gate had been kicked open and half the herd was outside. I'm across town having my weekly mental health breakfast at that (laughs) point, so I can't get back. But she hangs out. They had only gone outside down the fence line to eat stuff they couldn't get to, so they didn't go anywhere. But she hung out for the whole time until caretakers could get here. So that was an immediate sort of like, would you like a key? Uh, to help us do this on a regular basis, um, she was not a hard sell on that count. Um, she had—I mean, she had, she was a visitor and whatnot. But this right. was like, oh, I'm going to skip my bus to school because the goats are out, kind of thing. And that's kind of an easy sort of like, oh, we should bring these people on the inside. Um, others were—we um, have ever had sort of an official volunteer outreach thing, partly because there's not a ton of work to do here on a regular basis, and partly because. Because it is about your animals and their health and safety, we tend to not really want someone just because, oh, goats, I love goats. If you love goats and you're here every weekend for like six months and you're really good with them and you're good with the people that come in to visit, you may get a conversation from us about coming on board, but it's really sort of loose and laid back and we watch for people that we just think, they want to be here for themselves anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So everyone who's come on board has really just been someone who we went, yeah, they would probably be good because look at them these last few weeks or look at them these last couple of months. Um, so it really is just sort of, you've so clearly fallen in love with the herd yourself that you can't help but be around and want to be positive about it and be a healthy attitude about it. Those are the people who end up here. You know, we may do a little more outreach just for sort of assistance during gate hours kind of things, just because that can kind of get overwhelming if only one of the regulars is there that day. That'll be the sort of thing where, like, you probably don't get your own key, um, but you are here to help us deal with interacting with the public and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, it, it really has sort of been a judgment call. Yeah, these people would be good for the herd and good for the people visiting the herd. All right. So I'm sure you don't have a favorite, but seriously, but who's your you favorite? favorite? So my stock answer to this is, <laughs> is twofold. One is my favorite varies depending upon their mood and my mood. <laughs> Because um, there really are sometimes you come in in a certain state of mind and you know that just like that particular goat's going to be the best goat for you today. <laughs> that said, um, it's hard not to have a soft spot for 
uh, Bambi and Cooper because they came into the herd under the original owner when they were like two weeks old, about the same time that I had discovered that the goats were on Belmont at sort of quote unquote the wrong time of year and what was going on. And so a two week old Bambi was put in my arms oh, by the original so owner. So that was sort of the, I have a picture of this and that's the oh. picture I show people going, this is the day I kind of knew, uh oh, I'm here all the time now. <laughs> so it's hard to have, not to have a soft spot for them. Um, cause they were also, uh, because they came into the herd without their mom so young, they were the only bottle fed goats in the herd, mm-hmm. um, which is why they're so well bonded to people and they're the goats we will take to events and things. Mm-hmm. But I also have a soft spot for Clover and Precious because they were the first two of the only four kids we've had in the herd because the guys were eventually fixed. The first goat kids whose birth you actually witness and participate in, oh, yeah. it's hard to say they're kind of not up there on the favorite list. Right. Yeah. Fair. Um, do Sorry, all the other goats. <laughs> they eat mainly hay, it looks like, from what from the morning. Do they get any sort of, like, specialty treats? Uh, treats are few and far between. Usually, uh, I mean, during the weekends, sort of after we close the gate, uh, caretakers frequently have, like, you know, the banana peels left over from the banana they had to get through the day. So we will give them banana peels and stuff. Um, they do get some kind of treats when we're doing hoof trimming and shots because we have to wrestle them into the, the, the milking stand, even though we don't milk anybody, um, just to keep them still for stuff. Obviously, they'll still browse around the field in whatever's in the field, which they're more picky about than you would think for goat's reputations. They do get free feed uh, minerals from us in the barn that they can take as they want that just supplement what they're not getting in the hay. Um, the, the feeding conversation is always tricky for me to talk about, like, what kind of treats do they like? Because we really want to make sure people don't hear that as, oh, I'm going to bring them banana yes, peels. Don't right. bring them anything. Right. <laughs> um, Understood. Uh, so, but yes, yeah, so they do have some stuff that they particularly like more than others that we do use for treats when we have to. And sometimes even just like, you know, there are like bags labeled like goat treats that are like a licorice kind of thing. Ooh, we'll use that either yeah. both both for like the, the medical stuff or when we're just jonesing to get them to run across the field and play on the spools that are on the other end. So we'll get a couple of them and rattle them and they'll chase you across the field. Nice. Um, but other than that, it's, yeah, just generally, hey, water. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bix, for having us come out and, and doing this for us. We really appreciate it. But how can people find out Belmont Goats and support you guys? Uh, well, the easiest way is to go to thebelmontgoats.org. Or if you can't remember that, if you just Google Portland Goats, you're going to find us because um, we are on, you know, our Google listing is there, Yelp, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Um, and uh, now's a, so, you know, this period is a good period because we are in a transition period at some point here. Uh, we don't have any firm plan or announcement on it, but at some point we will have another move. And that's when we do our big relocation fundraiser. Um, the plus side of that for you listening to this is we usually do it as a t-shirt fundraiser. So you're actually getting something interesting that we only do once every two or three years. Um, so this is a good transitional period now to sort of get introduced to us because, um, we'll be closing out in our current spot and opening up in a new spot at some point in the next couple months. And, uh, so there's going to be lots of activity, lots of stuff, even if you want to sort of volunteer to help us with the actual move, because there's a whole barn to break down and stuff to lug around. And we always sort of have bigger sort of uh, not too often volunteers work parties kind of thing when that happens. So it's a good time to sort of get in touch or just keep track of us on our social stuff. That's awesome. We'll make sure to add updates to that um, on our Instagram account also. Um, if anybody checks out Belmont Goats, they actually, their fundraising t-shirts are really awesome. They're this really beautiful illustration usually of a, of a goat head, at least last time was, and it was just really cool. So um, definitely worth checking out, guys. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Vix. All right. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that was a very informative and fun episode. And if you are ever in the Portland area, be sure to check out Belmont Goats and take a visit over and have some fun. They share their gate hours, as they call it, on their Instagram all the time. And you can find them at their new location at 6631 North Syracuse Street in Portland, Oregon. And the address is also on their Instagram at the Belmont Goats. Yeah, they're in North Portland, which is a really great neighborhood up there to go check out. Lots of great eats and drinks and cool community things to check out over there. Um, Another update that we did have was that their volunteering has changed. So now they have an application that you can fill out online, and they've been holding volunteer orientations on the last Sunday of the month based on availability. Yeah, so go volunteer and love goats. I mean, why not? Yeah, you can check everything out on thebelmontgoats.org. I'm so, so glad they were able to find a new location. I know that was so stressful on them for a while. Yeah, definitely. And it looks like such a great spot. We actually haven't been to their new location yet, but we are venturing over there this week. So we'll be sure to share an update and, of course, lots of photos after we visit the new spot. Goat play date. I Yay. love goat play dates. I got to go see my little baby love. Oh, we have to talk about who we're love-sussed with. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Okay, so I feel like we talked about this before at some point about how birds kind of freak me out a little bit. Just a little teeny tiny bit. But... I know people say you're scared of birds. How can you be love-sussed with this animal? But oh my gosh, you guys, Luby, Bat Conservancy. They're in Gainesville, Florida, and they're a nonprofit dedicated to saving bats and their habitats. And they do conservation, education, and community engagement. But really... I'm just there to look at all the cute pictures of the bats. I'm pretty sure that Batty and Ferngully made me instantly fall in love with bats because he was like so hardcore and knew how to rap, but was also like sweet and lovable. And so I just imagine that all bats are going to be just like Batty Coda, cute and fluffy. Are they as cute as Quokas? Because I doubt it. Well, I mean, they're special and cute in their own way and they're all different colors i just really like them you guys (laughs) all right shannon pressure's on who are you obsessed with i am obsessed with i've been stalking these people for a while i mean that's the whole point of being obsessed right is that you stalk these people for a while Um, yeah (laughs) um i have been obsessed with backcountry logistics um backcountry underscore logistics on instagram they um are another llama site but they use their llamas for hiking which i think is probably one of the most dope things you could possibly do with your llamas and since my llamas are like partially lazy (laughs) and just that we don't focus on sharing them for hiking it's on my bucket list to go backpacking with llamas i just think that that's the most amazing thing ever putting two great passions camping and llamas together Ugh. So, yeah, backcountry logistics. Actually, while I'm on the topic of backpacking llamas, since I don't want to go back to back with any of them, I'm going to also share another backpacking llama group that I also stock online. Is that cool? Is that can I have two? 
I mean, I guess. Technically, we should be able to just backpack with Rojo, right? Because the... the <laughs> with Rojo? The, yeah. I mean, oh, okay. you know, the place right behind the farm. Oh, Paradise Point? Yeah, you can camp there. So couldn't we just <laughs> walk him down the road, put a backpack on, set up a tent, give him some carrots, have some s'mores. And I mean, that's sort of like backpacking. Yes, I think that is the closest thing to backpacking <laughs> that Rojo will ever get to. And I agree. That'd be really great. Oh, man. Hanging Rock Llama Tracks. They are in Hanging Rock, Australia. They are so stinking cool. Nice. So do both of these places you like backpack with the llamas, camp, and then like return? Mm, I don't know if they all involve camping. Oh, gotcha. Um, I know the Hanging Rock Llama Tracks does um, just experiences. Cool. Uh, I don't see as like heavy of backpacks on them like for overnight trips. It looks a lot of like day packs, but I don't know. Go check them out. If you're in the areas, go tell me how it is. It sounds amazing. They do like hen parties, which I think is so cute that they have hen parties like in the UK and in Australia where we have bachelorette parties. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really great. I think we're going to start doing things like that on our farm. Cool. Anyways, yeah. I love that's llama packing. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to give a shout out to Bix for his time when he sat down and did the interview for us. And then Robin, who is still involved heavily with the Belmont Goats. And she was also there while we did our interview and helped us get all of our goat loves. And... Last but not least, we want to thank our amazing producer for making us sound beautifully and editing out all the bad stuff. Sorry, you guys. We'll have a bloopers reel at some point. You're welcome. <laughs> and for the music played throughout each episode. So it's Tyson at Simple Monster Creative. What, what? Thank you, Tyson. You're the best. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next week.